Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. How's everyone doing out there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me over these? Holy jeez. Maybe it's not just me who's still hearing those today. Welcome everyone. Winnipeg Sports Talk. Michael Remus here. Hosting for Hustler, who is away at Aikens Lake. Thank you all for joining in. I am so pumped to be here talking about another Bombers win. 9-0. Absolutely incredible performance last night. Uh, we will have on Darren Bombing shortly. Uh, who's come else? Marat on the Jets. Uh, Ken Weeb as well on the golf tour. And Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on the NFL. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I do have to thank, before we get going, talking about the incredible game last night, uh, Canadian Club, DQ, Nick and Nicky DQ, four locations in Winnipeg, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Cool Bet, Colligan Water, F Apparel, Vita Health, Wallace, and Wallace, and also Aikens Lake, where Hustler is now uh, being a master angler. Catching those trophy fish. And what a game last night. The Bombers coming in. We talked all about it. Uh, at least we were talking about it. I don't think the team was. The tough schedule. The short week. The games in, you know, six games in 32 days. But you never heard that from the team. They always talk about everything's perfect. Perfect conditions. And to be honest, uh, I think off the bat in the first quarter, it looked like a team that was on a short week. Zach Caleros, you know, he had the perfect game, highest QB rating of any quarterback this season against Calgary. Uh, didn't get off to a hot start, throwing interception. Montreal was able to take advantage. However, it's kind of the theme we've seen when teams get into the red zone against uh, the Bombers, they don't get touchdowns. Uh, they get field goals. And while the Bombers you know, struggled with time of possession and putting drives together on offense. They were only down three points after the first quarter, three nothing. And it was that when they were down, they were able, they needed to uh, score some points. They put a big drive together. Dalton Schoen, league leading, seventh receiving touchdown. He had five catches, 58 yards. What a rookie season it's been for him. And and you look, it looked like the Bombers were going to put some more points on the board at the end of the half, but it was another interception from Zach Kolaris. I think it was some miscommunication uh, with him and Drew Walatarski. And you heard, you know, they hadn't played great, but they were still leading. Um, and you saw Dalton Schoen on the broadcast after the half saying, hey, I don't think we played great, lots to clean up. It kind of looked like the game was slipping away a little. Montreal outscoring the Bombers. 11 to 7 in the third quarter. But it was the fourth quarter where the team, I don't know what it was, they put their uh, they put their heads down and powered through whatever fatigue they were feeling, scoring 21 points, uh, starting with that missed field goal from Montreal. And who was it? Rashid Bailey with the touchdown. Janarian Grant with the kick return. Touchdown. Um, you know, I thought this was going to be kind of like the Edmonton game where the Bombers didn't play well, 
But then this time they were going to lose. I thought, oh, no, did I jinx them asking Ed yesterday? You know, saying, are they going to have a perfect season? People thought that I jinxed it. But when the fourth quarter comes, you've seen it for so long. I don't know what it is. I don't think no of you can teach us when it's the fourth quarter or when it's goal line defense. You saw them stopping uh, Montreal turnover on downs in the first, um, you know, holding teams to field goals. Bombers seem to step up and they keep doing it over and over again. Um, one thing I want to ask the chat, I want to ask the chat, who are you giving the game ball to? I'm trying to decide. I'm going to ask Darren this when he comes on. I think there's a lot of people. Brady Oliveira, you know, there were a lot of concerns about him. You know, I might have had some, had some too. I mean, he, they kept handing the ball. He just running it into the back of the O-line, basically into the back and for no yards. And not yesterday, 17 carries, 92 yards, 5.4 uh, average, 15 was his longest. And he's also doing it in the receiving game. Huge catch, 35-yarder, uh, one catcher. Drew Wolitarski, who had a pretty good game last, last game, um, he had five catches for 90 yards, including the huge fourth-quarter bomb, 41-yarder, to put a set up Dakota Prukop. Uh, Dalton Schoen was kind of quiet, uh, but he did score a touchdown, 58 yards. Janarian Grant, huge Absolutely huge fourth quarter for him. He had that catch and run on a ball that wasn't uh, that wasn't you know thrown great. And if you're going to run a screen, but he's able to accelerate so fast. He had that punt return touchdown as well, which really gave the team some breathing room. I'm reading the chat. I see Winston Rose, who had the big who had the big pick as well. Some people saying Rose. Uh, I'm trying to read all these and do this. So Jackson Jeffcoat. Had, uh, I see mentions for him, his return, had a big sack. And the one thing, too, when the Bombers, when they finally uh, got the lead in the fourth quarter and it was Montreal's turn to follow up, um, the defense stepped up, putting pressure on Trevor Harris, sacking him and getting two interceptions. And Brady Oliver with the icing, uh, icing on the cake. Uh, Al says, give it to coach, uh, Grant, one bird, Grant Rose, Oliveira. A lot of people saying generic grant for the game ball. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think you could give it to a lot of candidates. You want to give it to, to these, the air horns. I, as I shout over these, I do want to give a shout out, you know, while the game was going on. Oh my God, this is horrible. Um, while the game is going on, I have to give some respect to the troll Twitter game of the Montreal Alouettes social media team. Uh, I guess they were getting a lot of messages. Here it is. We like the horn. Stop messaging us. So apparently a lot of people really, I didn't really notice. I didn't notice, like, I didn't think it was that terrible. But then someone's like, this is awful. I can't watch the game. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it does kind of suck. And then Montreal got so annoying on Twitter that I'm like, yeah, screw this horn. It shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be able to have, uh, like, that should only be able to use in emergency situations, right? You can't use that at a football game. What? And then Montreal again on Twitter. Oh, wait, that's not the tweet. Hold on. Where's the other tweet? I had it, I had it ready. Ah, I don't have it here. They, they trolled the Bombers about, uh, here it is. Oh, here. And then someone says, this is why no one takes your... Mickey Mouse franchise seriously to them, I guess, in response to the air horn. And they, they respond classy. Uh, we can't wait for Pierre-Luc Dubois to be a hab, by the way. 
Ah, uh, this was, I enjoyed this. I thought this was funny. We'll wait and see. However, Habs fans got a rude awakening yesterday knowing that Jonathan Huberto won't be uh, signing there as he just signed the eight-year eight year deal. Uh, and the Bombers, shout out to the Bombers who responded, who responded back. Uh, oh, that's, that's not the right one. Who responded back with this at the end of the game. Their social media team has been absolutely crushing it. Uh, just like this, whatever this thing, this pressure thing, crushed this horn after the game. So well done, Bombers social media team. It was, uh, it was an entertaining game. I thought, you know, is this going to be the one they lose to Montreal? At least if you're going to lose, lose to a good team. Lose to BC. Lose to Calgary. Don't lose to an East team. But uh, what a game it was yesterday. And they pulled it out just like seemingly they always do. Fourth quarter, coming up big. Uh, the defense, special teams, offense. It was everyone in. Here, Mike O'Shea spoke after the game. But what he saw from his squad, and here's the head coach, uh, Mike O'Shea. They took the ball away early and often, and our guys just kept on grinding, digging. I think that, you know, 104-yard drive was pretty special. And then we started, defense started taking the ball away a little bit and making plays. And, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, I think that's a, a really good win. Look at that one, and you can see a couple turning points. You mentioned that 104-yard drive. Do you feel like that kind of got the offense on board after a pretty solid effort from the defense early on? No, I, I, I just think it's is a good drive, whether it's the right time or not. I think Janarian's punt return touchdown is the timing of that is it's right on time. So uh, it's good game, that all phases contributed. This game was 14 all at one point, and kind of brought the hammer down in all three phases. That's got to be the most appealing thing at the end of a long stretch of games. Yep, yep. The guys found a way to, you know, give a little more, um, which is, yeah, that's damn good. They've, they've all, they're always thinking of their teammates and making sure they're getting it done right for them. So, for them to, dig, you know, to be able to give more like that is pretty, pretty special. Found a way to give a little more. That was the Bombers yesterday, and I, we've seen that so often in the Grey Cup, uh, in the West Final last year, this year, what against Calgary against uh, Edmonton when it looked like they didn't have their A game. There it was, and I'm pleased to be joined. Oh, yeah, before we get to Darren, I got to say to everyone, hey, if you're in here, thank you for tuning in. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Tells YouTube we got some quality content here and it's more likely to recommend it to other people who might be interested. Uh, we're closing in on 8K subs. Help us get there. We got a bunch yesterday. I think we had a really nice number coming in to today. Uh, 70 or 7,969, just a nice number. So let's see if we can get to 8K. And uh, also, other channels, Bonfire Sports. Great post game last night with Darren and Zach. Pleased to welcome Darren Bombing to the show from Bonfire. Darren, what's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yeah, good to be with you, Remo. Uh, love the studio you got going on there. Yeah, I'm going solo live from WST Studios. Uh, here to talk about that bomber game last night. Uh, Winnipeg winning 35-20 over Montreal. Uh, first off, I mean, what's your what's your initial thoughts uh, of that game? What we saw last night with the bombers gutting one out and under probably less than ideal conditions. You had the heat, the air horns. I don't know if you heard these. <laughs> there they are. It's, oh man! Don't remind run. me. Don't remind us. Uh, 
and also uh, the the tough the tough schedule. Uh, how about how about that one last night, Darren? Yeah, it was really um, an incredible win by Winnipeg. Uh, Fourteen all going into the fourth quarter. Uh, lots of giveaways by the Blue Bombers offense. Four times they turned the ball over. Uh, Zach made some aggressive throws. Got picked on a couple. Um, the pass to Nick Dembski intercepted in the end zone by um, Ducoy. Uh, what a beautiful pass that was um, by Zach Kolaris. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things where the defensive player made a heck of a play and, and pulled that away. But four giveaways, tie game on the road, as you mentioned, you know, really tough travel schedule. Uh, the third of three straight, straight road games, um, five days rest, all of that. Remo, I, I was asking the Blue Bombers and head coach Mike O'Shea this week, you know, about the fatigue and the tiredness and the wear on the body and the rest. Um, asking Mike O'Shea, is this a dig deep moment for your team? Uh, he kind of, sh- you know, shooed that away. And he's like, you know, every game's going to be tough. Uh, we got to, you know, dig deep and give our full effort uh, every week. Staying on message, that's the mantra. It's always been the same. Get to 1-0 and every week. But the reality is, what we saw from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last night, in my opinion, was one of their most impressive games of the season. I know they didn't play well. I know offensively they allowed Montreal to pressure them a lot. I know defensively uh, they played good enough at times and then were awesome when it mattered, as was the offense and the special teams. Janarian Grant had a great 23-yard hitch pass and run that really seemed to turn things around. Then Drew Wolitarski had that sticky finger catch down the sideline, and from there, Winnipeg just wouldn't let off the gas. That's why I was impressed. After playing a kind of mediocre game on the road, tired and, and the rest, with no bye weeks, Uh, at all so far this season, while many teams have had two already, the way Winnipeg came out in the fourth quarter and just put their foot on the throat of their opponent and didn't let up, that was so very impressive to me and I think shows just how dangerous this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team can be. You can never count them out when they look like they're on the ropes. They dodge and swing and catch you with a left hook. And then suddenly the momentum uh, is just absolutely turned in their favor. Um, All three phases played so well when it mattered in the fourth quarter. It was muggy. It was hot. I imagine that, uh, you know, those horns were incredibly um, annoying for the players on the field. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. You you thought it was annoying watching the game on TSN or listening. Uh, Imagine not being able to turn the volume down. Uh, or not adjust the microphone levels like uh, TSN did in the second half. Uh, Winnipeg did dig deep, and they showed a side of themselves. I think a lot of people knew was there, but now they've shown it to to everybody. Uh, very, very impressive win to move to 9-0. and I asked the chat this question earlier. There's so many candidates. Who are you giving your game ball to? Are you giving it to Janarian Grant, who had the return, and uh, effective uh, with some run game and short passes? Drew Waltarski, who had 90 yards. Uh, is it on the defense? Jackson Jeffcoat, who returned. Winston Rose, interception. Or Brady Oliveira, who's really found his groove the last yeah. couple of weeks. Who's getting your game ball, Darren? 
Those are all great choices. And, you know, we we debate these on uh, the Bonfire postgame show, Game Day After Dark. Uh, we, we give out our Happy Honker Award, our Westwood Wide to the Right, the moment that kind of pisses us off or was, was stupid during the game. Walby's Warrior, the guy that just went to war for the Blue Bombers. Um, and then we, you know, give out our, our uh, player of the game as well. And last night I gave it to Drew Wolitarski. He was just there when the Blue Bombers needed him. Uh, team high, 90 receiving yards, caught five of seven targets, uh, picked up uh, a couple first downs, including one uh, on second and long. Uh, he was just kind of there when the Blue Bombers needed him and made that really, really impressive uh, stretched out catch uh, in the fourth quarter to um, you know keep things moving on a very impressive, game-changing 95-yard drive. Uh, that Zach Kolaris was able uh, to orchestrate. But you're right. Winston Rose, I think, played his best game of the season. Jackson Jeffcoat comes back after missing a couple games, gets his first sack of the season, believe it or not. Um, you know, the defense, Adam Big Hill with a great, inter, uh, you know, a, a, a critical interception late in the game when Montreal was trying to scratch their way back into it. The offensive line, Brady Oliveira, um, two games in a row now where he has been uh, over 100 combined yards. And, and you're right, seems to have found his rhythm and, and that confidence that maybe wasn't there uh, as of late. Uh, everybody contributed in this game. Zach Kolaris throws three picks, but gets that drive when they needed him to and, uh, you know, you know, hit some touchdowns when they needed him to. Uh, Winnipeg always plays complete football. They always get contributions from up and down the lineup, starters and backups and the rest. But I gave it to Drew Wolitarski because he's just been a consistent piece this year, uh, has yet to have a game like he did last night in Montreal where he put up 90 yards. Yeah, I put a question out to the chat here. And it seems to be pretty split between Waltarski, Grant, Oliveira, Rose. It just shows you what a team effort it was. All three phases, the defense, you know, holding Montreal to you know field goal in the first half, and the offense, um, you know, in the second and the what, fourth quarter as well. I mean, it feels like we're just sitting here just gushing over the Bombers. How how do you how do you not? I mean, again, they play they play great um, and win. And they play not their best game of win. I mean, I don't... Do you have any areas of concern after this game? I mean, how can... They don't play well and they still win. I don't know. Like, the team probably will say they'd like to clean up a couple things. But do you have any concerns after well, this? Here, here's the thing to me, Mike. You know, you watch the Winnipeg Jets last season and they seem to play to the level of their opponent they would play really well against good teams they play really poorly against some of those middling and, and lower end teams winnipeg you could say is is similar in that sense you know they had two close games against uh the ottawa red blacks uh in weeks one and two uh ottawa just got their first win of the season um uh, last week. So they had a really rough, you know, six game losing streak to start the season. Uh, Winnipeg had a scrappy middling game against Edmonton uh, in Edmonton a, a couple weeks ago. They didn't play, um, you know, lights out against the Calgary Stampeders in their first of their two meetings this season. That was at, at IG Field, uh, you know, about three weeks ago. Um, the difference is Winnipeg never falters the the mental strength and mental toughness that they all collectively have from Mike O'Shea to the position coaches and coordinators 
all the way down to, you know, the kicker and long snapper and Mark Leggio and, and Winnipeg native Mike Benson uh, and, and everybody in between uh, up and down. Um, they never feel out of the game. They never worry about what has happened not just on a a week-to-week, game-to-game basis, but even play-to-play. If they have a bad play, big turnover, uh, big defensive, uh, you know, play allowed, that sort of thing, it's flushed and gone. Zach Kolaris likes to say, snap and clear. Uh, That's what they do. They learn from what happened and they don't think about it again. Um, That's coaching. uh, That's veteran savvy. That's just something Winnipeg uh, has really instilled deep in their culture. And, you know, if they're playing to the level of their opponent, so be it. Maybe it's almost like uh, a cat toying with uh, a dying mouse. Um, Don't just, you know, uh, swipe the throat right away. They kind of you know, meddle along and, and play the game and then win when they know they can strike and and uh, and finish an opponent off. Uh, are there concerns? Nothing glaring. The reality is this is a team that has won back-to-back Great Cup championships with an off year in the middle, which is amazing to think of on its own. And now they've started a ridiculously difficult schedule. Uh, I know it's been a lot of East Division matchups, but the travel, no bye weeks, having players like all-star center Michael Couture, uh, perennial thousand-yard receiver Greg Ellingson, Jackson Jeffcoat, Mercy Maston, uh, Jesse Briggs out of the lineup for a long stretch of time. Guys are beat up, banged up, and, and bruised. However, they continue to play complete strong football no matter their opponent no matter the short week no matter the rest no matter uh travel or or what have you so are there concerns i I don't know how you would say there are real actual concerns on a team that has straightened out their run game uh looking at a kicker in mark leggio that looks consistent and smooth and confident field goals converts and punting the football Um, And then, you know, you just look at the talent on the roster up and down and and how well they've been able to navigate uh, first, even second stringers being out of the lineup and and the depth stepping up and playing extremely well. So, no, I I don't have any concerns for this Blue Bombers team. Will they finish the season undefeated? I don't know. I might have put a couple bucks down on that. Some pretty good odds, uh, you know, on on some of the sports books. But, um, you know... uh, as of right now, I don't know how you can look past the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're the class of the Canadian Football League. Three of their remaining nine games this season are on the road uh, with three bye weeks mixed in there as well. Still two games against the BC Lions. People forget they still have they only have one loss this season. Of course, that came to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Vancouver. But two more games against them, uh, a very generous schedule as far as rest Uh, and home dates for Winnipeg. It's going to be a fascinating uh, race to the finish here in in the second half of the CFL season, particularly in the West, but also in the East where things are absolutely still wide open. Yeah, three games coming up against Saskatchewan as well. Right. And I think you look at the Bombers' record, yeah, they're 9-0, but you know some of these games, a couple things don't break right against Ottawa, uh, Toronto as well. But I think when they played those heavy hitter teams like Calgary and BC, um, I mean, those were premier games, and BC yeah. was resting the you know resting their starters by the end, and uh, the Calgary game. I mean, just both both were classics. They really. When you mentioned uh, Mark Legua, we had a lot of uh, question marks about him heading into the season based on last year. I know the field goal didn't count because of sorry, not leverage, but pyramiding. 
But I, I do agree. He's looked <laughs> looked pretty good. And he did have a, a very key punt to pin them in at the end as well. I think any questions that we had about Mark Leggio, you know, are have definitely been uh, been quieted. Does everybody out there remember their first job? Like, you know, coming out of college or coming out of high school, trying to impress that boss, that real first job, you know, like not cutting grass or working at the car wash uh, like I did when I was younger. But that real first job where you wanted to perform. Were you lights out your first six months there? Were you lights out your first year there? No, it takes time. Uh, the I think the, the smartest thing the Blue Bombers ever did was keep confidence in Mark Leggio. And yes, I understand they signed Ali Mortada and played him for a good stretch of the season last year. I understand they traded for Sergio Castillo, who for my money was the most outstanding player in the Grey Cup last year in Hamilton. Um, but they stayed confident. They never shot him down. They said, just keep working, keep doing your thing. We know you can do it. He was outstanding at uh, Western University in U Sports um during his college career um you know they just let him continue to grow at his own pace and now here he is in year two just year two for mark leggio and uh kicking right now in a good way is an afterthought yeah speaking of another guy who's in you know the early stages of his cfl career brady Oliveira, we do have to mention him i put out who are we giving the game ball to uh 32 of the voters in chat think Waltarski, but next up is Oliveira. Very strong. He looked different in that game against Calgary, hitting the the hole, having his longest runs of the season. And again, yesterday, um, I said on this show, over, was it 52 yards? Uh, he had that almost by the first half, 92 yards and 17 carries. Um, he talked about his increased confidence, how the coaching staff and the team has believed in him this whole time. Even, you know, while maybe here we had concerns when he had the, what, eight-yard game on, on nine carries. But uh, he's, he looks different contributing the receiving game. And I think it's just a case of uh, a guy adjusting to his new full-time role in the CFL. No question. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the receiving game, uh, in particular last night. That one catch, mm, to me, was huge. the play of the game. Like, unbelievable to have a traditional tailback, a big-body power back like Brady Oliveira, do something unorthodox, send him straight upfield and contested catch like very well defended by the Montreal Alouettes yep. he was able to pull that in uh, and kind of flip the field get Winnipeg out of their own end and, and to midfield uh, in the field position game especially in a close game like it was in the first half uh, absolutely huge play for Brady Oliveira the thing I'll give Brady Oliveira maybe some of the most credit for was off the field this past week he spoke honestly and passionately about being a winnipeg kid oak park high school um you know he did go down to the states to, to play in the ncaa but being drafted in the second round by his hometown team playing for the team that he grew up loving and watching uh, and idolizing a lot of those players um to now play for that team and get the criticism from his hometown fans, uh, he admitted that was tough on him. You know, he wants to perform. He wants to make everybody in his hometown proud. And that goes beyond his personal friends and family. He wants the fans of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to appreciate him for good play and being a hometown product like Nick Dembski, like Andrew Harris, like Jeff Gray, like Mike Benson, uh, all members, current and former uh, of this Blue Bombers team. So for him to come out uh, and, and, and speak about that following a hundred yard rushing game in Calgary a week ago, 
uh, really speaks to how honest he is, how genuine he is. Uh, and now we've seen him do it in, in back-to-back weeks with over 100 combined yards. So did Winnipeg's offensive line play particularly well? Yes and no. The pass rush from Montreal was hellacious. They were bringing the heat early and often, and you saw Zach Kolaris struggle in extending plays and escaping out of the pocket, uh, forced into throws maybe he didn't want to make. Uh, but they performed how they needed to in, in establishing that run game, a balanced offensive attack from offensive coordinator Buck Pierce. And now I think Brady Oliveira has a little bit of, of um, you know, confidence and ammunition, knowing what he's capable of. Like people forget he was a hundred yard rusher week one last season when Andrew Harris was hurt in training camp, a tough start to this season. And people seem to be writing him off already. Uh, don't write off Brady Oliveira. He is uh, extremely strong between the ears and extremely strong and talented as a football player on the field as well. Yeah. We're winding it down Darren, but I, we haven't even mentioned the play of the quarterback, Zach Claris. You know, we, we have all our game balls going to Walt Tarsi, Grant, Alvera, Rose, you know, whoever you want. Zach, not, maybe not his best game. You know, he had no interceptions against Calgary. Three, I do agree. I think the Dembski ball, well thrown. Dembski had it in his hands and it seemed yeah. to bounce off and the, the DB just stole it uh, from him. The Walatarski one, I think you'd like to have that one. Not the, sorry, the end of the first half, you'd like to have that yeah. one. I think he's targeting Walatarski. But there are some throw. you know, he just needs one play. Uh, the deep ball to Walatarski, you saw it again, the game against Edmonton uh, as well, where you know, he didn't have his best game, but hey, you can connect on these deep balls. And the TD pass to Rashid Bailey, where he's running in the pocket, shakes a defender and fires a bullet to Bailey, who catches it in his arms. I mean, this guy, I, I don't know if we're appreciating how good this guy is, even when he's not having his best game. He just needs to make one play, and uh, he did that a, a couple times yesterday. When you're 26 and one as a quarterback record, um, you know, uh, in meaningful games all time as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, uh, credit where credit is due. Uh, you're right. Zach Kolaris just needs one play. All the great quarterbacks just need one play to, to absolutely deplete, uh, deplete and, and deflate uh, an opponent. Uh, we saw it here in Winnipeg with Kahari Jones and Milt Stiegel, you know, like you could never count them out because you could hit Milt uh, on an 85 yarder and, and, and win a football game. Like we saw, you know, a few times uh, during their careers here, uh, Doug Flutie, Damon Allen, Matt Dunnigan, uh, Ron Lancaster, uh, Tom Burgess, all of those quarterbacks were capable of beating teams with their arm and Zach Kolaris is doing it with his legs and his arm. Um, it's really, really something to behold. It leads into, you know, kind of my over overarching morale of this Winnipeg blue bombers team right now, fans of Canadian football and fans here in Southern Manitoba and Winnipeg in particular, Mike need to appreciate what they have right now. This is not just a, another good football team, another team that is in first place midway through the season. This is a team that is showing to be in the conversation amongst the all-time great teams in Canadian football. You can even argue pro football in North America. Uh, fans need to understand and, and recognize that and enjoy it while it lasts. Those uh, diehards here in Winnipeg uh, and Blue Bomber fans across the country know what it's like to go through three decades, two generations uh, of no championships and heartbreak in the playoffs and in Grey Cup games 
in losses. Enjoy it right now. This team is so very good and entertaining to watch, whether it's, um, you know, a a 25-point combined score game or an absolute toe-to-toe shootout between offenses. uh, It's really something to behold. Well, Darren, you said it all. Thank you so much for coming on. We are looking forward to the rematch next Thursday at IG Field. Bring your... No, don't bring air horns. Bring something else bring your that cowbell. makes noise. That it has to be you know, powered by human. It can't be something that's like electronic, like an air horn. I don't even know how those, those work, but we don't want those. Make noise, but respect the other people around you. Well, Darren, thank you again for coming on. Check out Bonfire Sports wherever you get the podcast. Search for it on YouTube. And Darren Bombing on Twitter has got all the bomber updates. Thank you again, Darren. Love. Love talking CFL. He was so much fun. Uh, appreciate it. Good to be with you, Remo. We know Blue Bomber fans don't need air horns. They're the loudest fans in the CFL. They, they do fine uh, just with their voices in their hands. So have a great weekend, man. Yeah, Take thanks. Care. You too. I'll catch up later. All right. See you, Darren. Thank, thanks a lot. Great talking with Darren. And we're going to join, be joined by Murat. But just to finish off some of this Bomber talk, I want to play this clip from Brady Oliveira talking about gaining confidence over the last couple of games. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's great. I mean, obviously early in the season is I stuck to it. I mean, yeah, it was tough at times and it was hard at times, but I really, you know, kept my head down and the guys in the locker room really believed in me. The coaches believed in me and I knew it was going to come and I knew it was going to come and it was just tough in the beginning, but it feels good now. Uh, I got that confidence. I'm, I'm running a lot smoother, hitting it a lot harder, um, playing my type of football, which is, you know, north and south uh, physical run. And Brady's definitely playing his type of football. We're going to be joined by Murat Atesha, the athletic, in a second. But before that, I'm going to send it over to Hustler for a couple announcements. Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you in part by our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, featuring great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. With great delicious lunch options at their grab-and-go deli as well, like Vitamarket salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. Be sure to visit their new fully shoppable website as well at myvita.ca to buy online, schedule a delivery, or in-store pickup. Vita Health Fresh Market, with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. F Apparel is Winnipeg's leader in custom suits for men. Winnipeg owned with a full line of custom clothing for any occasions, including suits starting at $400, dress shirts, winter jackets, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. And they're the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. Visit them in person at 190 Smith Street downtown or check them out online or book an appointment at F apparel that's ephapparel.com wallace and wallace is winnipeg's leader in fencing and overhead doors for over 75 years you've seen their fences and trucks all over the city they've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946 if you need a new fence or you need the overhead door done up Wallace and Wallace has you covered. They're also the leader in boathouse doors. So after you have need for your little piece of paradise at the cottage, they can help you as well. Give them a call at 204-452-2700. Visit them at their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston Boulevard or 
Check them out online at wallacedoors.com or wallacefences.com. As well as our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, have an incredible summer. If you're thinking about a once-in-a-lifetime trip, fly in fishing where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the place for you. Check them out online on all the social media channels at Aikens Lake and find out more about booking for next year right now at AikensLake.com. And there he is. Thank you, Hustler, for all that. And if you are still here, again, thumbs up. So we had 200 on the show yesterday. Uh, pretty, pretty incredible. Hit it down below. Subscribe button as well. Closing in on 8K subs. I do have one more clip from Brady I, I want to play. We've talked so much about the schedule. Only kind of recently, you know, we weren't really talking about it during, and I don't think the, the team was, but he was asked after the game, um, the team's mindset heading into this stretch here. And I really love this answer. So here's another one from Brady Oliveira. You said it. I mean, the stretch that we got right now, it's, I mean, no doubt it, it's tough and, it, and it's a hard one, but it, it's a grind. And, you know, everyone in this locker room loves the grind and we embrace the grind and we love the process and it's, uh, it's getting us better. I think you see every single week we're building and building and building and we're getting better, even though we have this long stretch, but it's a grind and we love the grind. Osh O'Shea preaches it to us and uh, we're just falling in love with it. We love the grind. We love the stretch. Uh, everything's perfect. I love uh, the mindset from the Bombers. Uh, when it comes to facing adversity, they're ready for it. They can hit, uh, hit anything. It doesn't really matter the conditions. It doesn't matter if there's air horns, heat, short schedule. Uh, they can do it all. Enough about the Bombers. Unform We're going to have to move on uh, to some hockey news. We did have a big signing yesterday. Uh, Jonathan Huberto, but I am uh, super pumped up to welcome uh, into the show Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Uh, and I will just bring you in. Murat, how's it going? Thanks for popping in. Remus, good to see you. Um, the truth is, and I won't uh, sidestep this, sorry to throw you for a curve. It's a tough week. Uh, one of my best friends in the world passed away. Um, oh. Nobody, uh, nobody helped Marat's mom out with more things around the house, more errands, more fixes, more anything else than, uh, than Nick phrase. And so it's a sad time. Um, and I just, I only say that it's not the point of your show. It's not the purpose. It's not why you're having me on, but, um, whenever I have an opportunity to share anything that says like, hug your dear ones extra tightly this weekend, tonight, whatever you're doing this summer, I mean, take the time. Um, I, I want to share that. So that's the purpose of why I say it. Um, so Remus, thanks for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and to, and to talk Jets with you, man. I'm really, I'm really excited for it. Right. I've got to say my extreme condolences. I'm sorry that you sent me the text yesterday and I saw your, your tweet as well. So yes, the hug, hug your loved ones extra tight, uh, tight tonight. And I can see the, the emotion you have. Um, we did, we'll move on to the hockey. As, as much as it seems in, insignificant to other things, but we did have a big signing yesterday, uh, Jonathan Huberto with Calgary. What was, your, what, what was your initial reaction when you saw that signing? 10 years, 84 mil. You know what? My hot take on that one is that we really have to be concerned about how it ages. You know, I think that there's going to be some folks that think that, oh my goodness, to get 
Huberto and Uyghur for uh, for Matthew Kachuk from Florida. What a coup on Calgary's part. What a great job that they did. And their ability to sign Huberto long-term immediately, I mean, I think is going to be celebrated in some circles. I'm concerned about how that ages. I'm the sort of person who thinks that, oh my goodness, his his point totals, his offensive ability is incredible. It's phenomenal. But he gives a lot back in the other direction. And I don't know how this player is going to age in terms of his offensive impact versus um, his defensive impact. This might be a guy that puts up a lot of points for uh, several years, but doesn't, you know, he might be a top five point getter, but not necessarily be a top five value in the NHL. So I know Calgary had to do something there, or at least they probably felt like they did. They were going for Matthew Kachuk at 24 years old and thinking that they would have him through the heart of his career. And now they're still trying to win and they're still trying to be competitive. Um, so I understand their perspective on it. I think it's going to be the kind of deal that ages really well for a few years and then at some point uh, falls off as well. And we've seen what happens in Winnipeg with, for example, Blake Wheeler at 8.25 million. As you get you know past those mid-30s or into those mid-30s, some of that offensive production and that two-way play tends to fall off. And Wheeler is a much better two-way player than Jonathan Huberdo was. We're already seeing his impact start to decline. So that back half of that deal, I'd be tremendously concerned about, even though Calgary might get to do some winning and the front half that makes them go, okay, well, it's it's worth that pain. Yeah, I kind of uh, agree with you that I think the back half, there might be some small pain, but I think for them, they needed a win. You lost Johnny Gaudreau. And if you're going to give this money to Gaudreau anyways, um, why not give it to the other guy with EA, whose last name ends with EAU? Um, you know, he's second in the league uh, last year in points. Over the last, last couple of years, he's been one of the top point getters in the league. When you lost, you traded Kachuk. I think maybe they win the trade for sure if they sign Uyghur. And we can worry about, you know, eight years, five years down the road. Um, then now we want to win. We want to see the battle of Alberta. And I do agree for Huberto, uh, big, big for him. I mean, if you, someone says, Hey, I'll give you $84 million. I think you say, say yes. I mean, we saw what happened to John Klingberg. You don't want to end up like him or Nazem Kadri being the top UFA and, and nowhere to go. So, um, you know, we'll see if he can move over the, uh, the fancy cars to Calgary, uh, moving on to the jets. You wrote about them quite a bit in your mailbag. I know you're getting a lot of questions. I need to ask you, I said this yesterday to Brandon. Is this it for them, Brad? This can't be it, is it? (laughs) You know, they have that little bit of cap space to work with, right? I mean, even with Mason Appleton coming down the pipe, and you know that that's going to be added to the cap hit, um, that's not going to be so big that Winnipeg's run right out of room. Um, So... You know, I think it was Ken Weeb who reported that Winnipeg is one of the teams that offered Danton Heinen mm-hmm. a contract. Didn't work out on that front. So it's that type of, you know, middle six ideally, but, you know, third line and closer to the end of the roster player that I could still see Winnipeg be in on to some degree. But I don't think that there's anything in in terms of a sea change on the way. That's for sure. Um, it's... It's difficult to look at that cap space to know exactly what Winnipeg's going to do with it. On one hand, they might be in on other players of of that ilk. Um, you know, I honestly over the last couple of days I haven't kept track of signings, but if Evan Rodriguez is still or Rodriguez yeah. available, uh, you know, the Sunny Milano type of player, this mm-hmm. this sort of thing, these might be the aisles that Winnipeg could be shopping in, given that they've already shown some interest in a player like Danton Heinen, as as Ken we reported. Um, so. 
that's what that's what I envision. So maybe some of it gets used up there. But also, this is the first year in a few that Winnipeg's not going to be an LTIR to start the year. So after trading Brian Little's contract to Arizona, Winnipeg has real live cap space now. And every little bit that they're under the cap maximum, well, for the first time in several years, they get to build up throughout the season. And maybe going into the year with a little bit of a cushion means something. Maybe if Winnipeg is able to have every if and 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 but just go their way such that they're in a playoff race, maybe there's room to add at the at the trade deadline. And there's also the possibility that they're just content to, hey, this is not necessarily the championship year. So maybe we don't have to spend 81.25 or 82.5, pardon me, numbers. Um, we Maybe we don't have to spend to the cap maximum just to do so at this stage. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do because I think all of those are valid and viable options. It's crazy to me how productive NHL players like Lecadri, who's you know superstar type season last year, and then you have but guys who are you know good NHL players like above replacement uh, Rodriguez, Sprung, Milano. I mean, you could contribute in a middle six. These guys don't have contracts. I don't know what these guys are waiting for because I, I don't think the offers are getting are getting higher. Uh, than they are than they are now. Um, the Jets, you know, Ken Weeb reported what they were in on Jan Croak, they were in on on Heinen, so they seem to have they know they need to get a, a middle six guy or you know bottom six. I don't I think I don't think they're done. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe something does does happen later. Uh, I know you follow the Oilers closely, but it seems like that's a team, Murad, who's going to have to make a move after signing Kyler Yamamoto, and they're over the cap. What do you see next from from Edmonton? I know. I mean, I know that there were Yessi Puyarvi rumors for a mm. little while there that perhaps that's a player that they need to move on from. Um, he's a player that I think frustrates a lot of Oilers fans and maybe even a few people within the Oilers organization. Not because he's not trying, not because he's not a wonderful person or any of those sorts of things, but he gets himself into positions to score reasonably often and then burns those chances. He just doesn't have the finish to go along with his play driving ability. And to me, depending on the context, that's a really valuable player, a guy who can get in on the four check, who can help you play in the right end of the ice. But I think that he's been put or typecast into a scoring role based on the fact he was drafted so high and he burns enough chances that I think that maybe there's a souring on his ability to play in the top six as a result, even with his, his value in other ways. The other one I wonder, I think I was reading Low Tide the other day and he was talking about the possibility of a Warren Fogle trade um, uh, as as another possible cap safety release valve. And I'm not sure exactly what Edmonton does in this way, but I think that having, I guess, dead money on the cap in some situations and some of the signings they've made and the trades they've made over the years, they've put themselves in an awkward position. It's not Connor, sorry, it's not Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl's money that is really hampering that team so much as it's all this wasted money in the middle six and some of the defensemen they've added and things like that. So I think that, I mean, yeah, the the question is maybe they could be a place where, you know, a team like Winnipeg could get a valuable middle six player for pennies on the dollar because there's cap space in Winnipeg and not in Edmonton. At the same time, you know, as, as down, I think on Winnipeg as many of us are right now because of how little they've done, um, I think that we can at least credit them for not having dead money on the cap um, like some other teams do. They need more from their star players, and they definitely need to add in that middle six, I think. But at the very least, they haven't squandered all of that cap space uh, so, the way that maybe some other teams have. 
Yeah, that Leon, you know, speaking of contracts, that Leon Dreisaitl contract, I think it's just over $8 million a year, looking like an absolute steal. And McDavid, and I think you said it very well, that those guys aren't holding the Oilers back. It's the bad contracts to who? Uh, was it Cassian before uh, Tyson Berry? Uh, there's some other, some other ones, uh, other ones in there. Uh, you just did two mailbags right at The Athletic. Uh, check them out if you haven't. What's... It's been the over, overall theme from a lot of the emails. Do you see you got like, what, like 200 emails for about yeah, we the like, Jets in July? Yeah. Well, it was like 245, <laughs> which probably includes like three or four of my comments to people. Would probably include a few people being like, oh, yeah, I wanted to ask that too, like in the comment thread. But 245 comments in the mailbag call, which is pretty cool. I mean, like. I, the idea that the that the passion to like sort of see figure out what the plan is in Winnipeg is so front of mind for so many people. I mean, I love that. That means a lot of great questions. There was one really cool one about Winnipeg's draft and development record, and like we know that the Jets are you know are known as a draft and development team. That's their identity. It has been since they picked Mark Shifley in 2011, um, and they've done so well. And the question is, well, are they still doing that well? Because they're not graduating nearly as many players as they used to do. And I took a little bit of time to dig into that one, actually. And there are, I mean, we all know, right? There, the value of a number one overall pick and a number two overall pick is a lot more than later in the first round. The, the curve is very steep in terms of how value declines from that first pick all the way through the draft. Um, and so there's different analytical models that look at how much value you should get based on where you're picking, you know, whether it's 10th, 25th, 50, whatever, all the way through. And so I was able to go through and use Stephen Birch's formula. He wrote this at Sportsnet in 2015, I'm, I want to say, and I just want to throw some credit to him, um, to estimate how many players Winnipeg should be getting out of the draft because we know they've traded so many picks away, and that's a problem. That's been... Uh, we've seen that in terms of how few players have graduated of late. You know, ever since 2017, when they traded the pick that became Nick Suzuki for the one that became Christian Veselainen as part of the Vegas expansion concerns. 2018, you trade a first-round pick for Paul Stastny. 2019, you trade a first-round pick for Kevin Hayes. You get it back for Jacob Truba, but you're still down a, a first-round pick in in net as far as the way I look at it. Um, and then 2020, you have... Uh, sorry, 2019, Ville Hainala, 2020, Cole Perfetti, 2021, Kaz Lucius. But they're not making the full complement of draft picks. They've drafted so infrequently from all the trades that they've made. That's a problem. But when you look at the actual picks that they've had, they're still underperforming in, in terms of how many NHL players they've graduated. And so if you split their record from 2011 to 2015 um, under their former uh I guess, organizational structure in terms of their director of amateur scouting and 2016 to present, um, there's still time for the, the recent group to catch up if, you know, um, if Hanel and Perfetti all hit and if they get a few diamonds in the rough and Mikkel Burden becomes an NHL player, there's still a little bit of catch up for them to play. Um, but it may be, and this is worth reading the deep dive on it in the mailbag, um, but it may be that Winnipeg's reputation was really honed from 2011 to 2015, and they're riding on that a little bit, still doing reasonably well, but close to average, almost average, and, and not necessarily that elite group that we saw when they were pulling Kyle Connor at 
17, 18, or 19, whatever that was, Jack Roslovic, and the times early on when they were drafting multiple NHL players every single draft, that was an incredible run. And I'm not sure we're seeing that kind of quality now, whether that's drafting or development. And I think you've seen, I've seen them um, this last year, that kind of catch up to them, where you don't have those forwards on entry-level contracts pushing into the lineup. And I, I think that's part of the reason why they haven't had a lot of success. You need guys you know, making 600K or sorry, 800K, whatever the minimum is on ELCs contributing. So you can have those top dogs getting paid. And we're seeing a lot of teams go uh, more of these stars and scrubs. And I do kind of agree with you where, you know, after the line A draft 2017, what Veselainen, uh, Samba Kovacevic, they haven't really made, you haven't really had anyone make significant NHL impact. Now that doesn't mean they can't do it in the future. We just haven't seen that right now. Like 2018, uh, Gustafson Smith Chisholm. 2019, Hanala has played. And 2020, Perfetti. And obviously too, you know, too early for the 2021-22. But we just haven't seen that. Maybe they will in the future. But I think that's part of the reason why the team is not is where they are. Kind of on the playoff bubble. Um, moving on. If you go back, sorry, yeah. if you go back to like the good old days, 2018, when Winnipeg was a Western Conference finalist and forward, I mean, one of the reasons they were able to add Paul Stastny to a stack team that already had, you know, Brian Little was playing and, and still productive at that point, um, already had Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley just playing in elite seasons. All of that was because you had guys like Kyle Connor, Patrick Liney, Nikolai yes. Ehlers, Josh Morrissey, Jacob Truba, Connor Hallibuck, not necessarily all on their ELCs. Some of them were their second contracts, but those were value. I mean, there were like one or two million per player um, in a lot of those cases. Um, and I think that a little bit of that plot was lost over these last few years. I wouldn't really criticize the Jets too heavily this most recent year defensively with, you know, they brought Schmidt and Dylan in. So I could understand younger players not getting as much of a try. But when you had Ville Hainala and Dylan Sandberg maybe giving up minutes, Ville Hainala especially, I should say, because Sandberg has just turned pro, but giving up minutes to the um, pending unrestricted free agents of the world like Lucas Pisa and Nathan Beaulieu and Tucker Pullman and et cetera, et cetera, down the line, um, Anthony Bittetto, These are Those are situations where you maybe took away an organization's ability to feed those cheaper contracts into the system. Um, and certainly up front as well. I mean, I... It, it's a shame that David Gustafson didn't stay healthy this past season. Uh, even Cole Perfetti as well. Health has, health has been an impactor there. But Winnipeg used to be really, really good at, and maybe they were almost youth heavy in 2018 uh, when they went so, so deep. And maybe that's a lesson to learn as well. But I think that the pendulum just swung a little bit too far in the other direction. And hopefully under the new regime and the, um, you know, with some of those roster spots, especially up front that look like they should be open right now, uh, maybe you would ideally see a better integration of those young players. And that's one of the stories for me heading into the season. How are they going to find playing time for all these young players? Some of them who are waivers exempt, like a Johnny Kovacevic who did play well, uh, you know, when he was in the lineup, you have that, what last spot for Stanley, Anila, Sandberg. Uh, how is it going to shake out? And that's something we're going to wait and see. And meanwhile, you have these open spots, not maybe not open, but uh, spots in the bottom six which really didn't contribute as much offensively last season. You did have something in your mailbag that I found very interesting. Um, you know, I think some of us may be surprised that Marty Johnson was hired as assistant coach for the Winnipeg Jets, whatever it was, two weeks ago. 
Um, but it seems like he's got quite an uh, understanding of, you know, the importance of hockey analytics. Um, what did you make of the Johnston hiring? Yeah, you know what? It's e- even though he's been in the organization, I can't say that I knew a ton about him. And so r- looking up all the various interviews that he's done and I and I included a, a YouTube video from I'm blanking on the source, but certainly the source is listed, uh, you know, in in the mailbag where Marty Johnson is talking about his views on analytics. And he admits, you know what, once upon a time, I, I, I really didn't want to get into this stuff and it, it really didn't you know make sense to me. But the more that he started to look at shot quality at different types of scoring chances, the more that he thought that, well, this is important stuff and it could influence how he coaches and how he teaches players to practice. Um, and so he got into how he classifies different scoring chances, like obviously deflections being you know more difficult to stop than straight shots. But he gets into specifics, like how much does the goaltender have to move his feet um, to, to track a puck? Um, you know, what are the different circumstances in terms of pre-shot passing that goes into uh, into scoring chances that can make them more difficult? And then from his perspective, how can he teach his defensemen or how can he teach goaltenders to prepare for these different types of chances to limit the limit the overall amount of danger and as well as to handle them when they happen? So in that video, he's talking, and I think it's 2020 or so, um, and he's already saying, well, you know what? You know, based on this most recent season of data that I've tracked and, you know, with the moose, you know, I, I have some ideas for how I want to improve that. And I just like that line of thinking. You know what? Analytics aren't the be all and end all of everything in sport. That's for sure. You know, you have to be able to action them in terms of, okay, well, if that scoring chance is, is dangerous, is there a way we can stop it? Or, I mean, is that just Connor McDavid on a breakaway type of situation and you know he's going to get a few of those how can we game plan around these things how can we make life easier for goaltenders or on the other end of the ice how can we find different routes to get the puck into the middle in in dangerous ways um, that that are going to make life harder for goaltenders and for the last several years I think I mean Paul Maurice was analytics literate to be sure I mean he I I have spoken with him about uh, analytics a few times um Matt Prefontaine, video coach uh, and analytics, is under his uh, behest as well. I think he and uh, a couple of others, I don't want to call them an island because that that wouldn't be fair, but they were maybe, you know, of a few people who had sort of an interest in this topic. And to add Marty Johnston to that, who has, I mean, obviously uh, his wealth of own hockey knowledge separate from the data, but now he's going into that. I just, I think it's good to flesh things out where possible and Winnipeg seems to like to, you know, get bang for the buck or like, you know, they're not spending an inordinate amount on their front office. But so then when people can sort of cross train like that or have multiple different areas of expertise, I think that that helps them from an organizational perspective. I will say this, you know, I mentioned the, you know, the you know, number of defensemen they have being a storyline. But of course, I mean, the number one storyline that we're going to be watching is can this coaching staff get some you know different results on the defensive side from the Winnipeg Jets because you know the coaching change they didn't get the coach bump last year and you know maybe something will happen here as we uh, head into the next season. Murad, great having you on. Love hearing your insight. I want to know. I mean it's August. We haven't seen a lot of moves. I got I got on my notes here Jets news. And the number one item I have, I'll show up the is their wedding pictures. And a couple of guys got married. <laughs> uh, Nate Schmidt, Mason Appleton, and Neil Pionk all, all got married. We can go through, we'll go through the pictures later. Thank you, Winnipeg Jets, for tweeting out those. But what do you have 
on deck here as it's uh, we're hitting into August. I mean, uh, you know, I had a couple of weddings last month or what have you. I I had the idea that I'd be taking some time off uh, in August to tell you the truth. I know we got a Mason Appleton arbitration year. Yes. We might have other news and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, it, it's I'm looking forward to unwinding. I signed up for soccer to remind myself how slow I've gotten in my mid 30s. Um, and I'm just going to try to enjoy the outside time and enjoy quality time with with the dear ones and, and with close friends. So I hope everybody's getting a chance to do that as well. I see Ken Weeb on deck speaking of, speaking of gems as well. So a lot of love to him and uh, to all you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Murat, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. Uh, love hearing your insight on, on Jets, on hockey. Uh, hope to do it again next week. Uh, we'll be in touch over the weekend. Thank you so much. Right on. Thanks, Remo. There he is. Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Give him a follow. Uh, WPG. Murat on Twitter. And if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, they have some great deals. So uh, check those out. We're going to bring on Ken. Uh, he's in the middle of the MB golf tour, the baseball tour. Uh, a lot to get to with Ken. But before that, Hustlers going to hop in with a special message. Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road or Portage Avenue West, or shop online at princessauto.com 247365. And don't forget to attend the Princess Auto tailgate party two hours before each Blue Bomber home game outside of IG Field. Culligan Water celebrating over 65 years in business as a family-owned go-to people for all things water in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Whether it's water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, or citywide water delivery services, Culligan has you covered, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether for the home, the cottage, or the office, Culligan's there for you. Pop by and see him at 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180 or online at drinkculligan.com. Royal Sports has been the leaders in all things sports for 40 years here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba with the best selection of fan licensed merchandise from all the big leagues. NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, CFL and international soccer. And of course, the hockey superstore, but much more than just hockey, soccer, softball, baseball, tennis, a huge bike selection, and a lot of people taking up disc golf. They've got a huge selection of that as well. Whether you're getting ready for the upcoming season or trying to get the most out of summer, Royal Sports is the place to go. 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure to check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina and give them a follow for the latest merchandise drops and sales. And, of course, our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club looking very forward to the Canadian mid Women's Mid-Amateur and Senior Championship coming up later on this summer. But if you are thinking about an incredible championship course and facility for you and your family for your golfing future, give our friend Corey Johnson a call at Breezy Bend about getting on the waiting list for next season or find out more on everything Breezy has to offer at breezybend.ca. All right. Everyone, wake up. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I am here, Michael Remus, filling in for Hustler, who just did a marvelous job of those ad reads. And we are going live to Minneapolis, taking a break. 
from the MB Golf Tour, Ken Weeb. Welcome to the program. Oh, your hydro oh, mini mini water bottle. Nice, Ken. How's it going? Remo, great to be with you. Uh, downtown Minneapolis. So lots of uh, lots of Jays blue uh, around town so far. Uh, fired up to be at Target Field tonight for the first time in uh, several years. Been trying to figure out the last time here, but. Uh, definitely have been. It's one of the best parks. I know Mike uh, Mike McIntyre got the head start on me last night. Was in town for the uh, for the big Alec Manoa victory and the Vladdy Guerrero uh, rocket launcher that uh, left the park in about 1.447 seconds and was hit at 115 miles an hour off the reliever there to sort of widen the gap. But uh, one of the best parks in Major League Baseball and. Uh, folks, it sounded like some folks who crossed the land border said it was things were running pretty smoothly. But uh, Twins had one of their biggest crowds of the year last night. It sounded like lots of uh, Canadians from not only Manitoba but I believe uh, a little bit from Ontario. You get some Saskatchewan folks in there as well, uh, crossing the border to see the Jays. And yeah, it's been as you mentioned with Murat, it's been a little bit of a quiet time on the uh, on the hockey roadmap. So uh, happy to be out and. Checking out a little Blue Jays baseball action. Excited for the uh, Jose Barrios return here tonight as well. Oh, yeah, he did pitch uh, for the Twins previously. Any concession items you got your eye on? You got, <laughs> you're going to get the walleye on a stick, pork chop on a stick? going to hit those? Uh, well, you know, Remo, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm more of a red cow uh, burger guy to myself. Oh, you know, I've been there. I, I, yeah, the I'm gonna probably you know I may I the sliders are pretty good I do I may just wait for the full burger uh, at some point uh, on the weekend here in town but uh, we had a great breakfast uh, uh, in Minneapolis upon arrival uh, you know I, I'm feeling pretty fresh considering I had a 4 a.m. wake up call to uh, to hop on the old Delta flight today but uh, oh he flew yeah, yeah well we're we're uh, we're heading to Vegas from here Remo so it's uh we're gonna be it, it's the cross can it's the cross North America tour right now we've had a lot of golf happening as you know uh, Murat was talking about outdoor activities we had a great time out at uh, out at Bird River at uh, my friend's cabin uh, the last earlier this week got on the old uh, tube uh, had a great glorious sunset at Bird River and uh, had some fun activities and uh, great to be enjoying the great outdoors uh, and I would even though it's been quiet now, we know it's, I think, around seven weeks until training camp. So uh, this is usually a little bit of a quiet zone in the NHL, but we do still anticipate some moves uh, to be coming, whether that be via trade or uh, still some, uh, you know, maybe some, um, let's say, not necessarily bargain, but some value uh, free agents available out there as well still. I was going to ask, and I've been asking everyone this, you know, you were the one who reported that the Jets were in on Dan Heinen, who signed with Pittsburgh for the $1 million contract. So you, I have said, is this it for the Jets? But you are of the belief that something on the horizon here. Before, well, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, they have they have a little bit of cap room. Obviously, we know that, uh, you know, some most of it, you know, some will get eaten up by Mason Appleton. But I mean, that's going to be a deal between a million and two million so far, maybe even 1.25, 1.75, whatever the number will be. But uh, they'll still be somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think, close to six-ish million dollars available. So, you know, whether the Jets, as Marat wrote about in the mailbag as well, I mean, whether they're looking to uh, have a little bit some of that weaponized for down the road, I mean, that's certainly a possibility. But I mean, it's also possible the Jets are still waiting to make a trade. I mean, we know that there are some bigger ticket items that are not available without moving a contract or without sort of reducing the glut on left-handed defense. So. Uh, we know it's great for the Jets to have depth, but I mean, they're not going to be rolling with nine D-men uh, starting the year. And 
Yes, it is true the Jets could technically send down Billy Hainala or Dylan Sandberg, but I mean, Remo, I mean, one of the reasons Rick Bonus was brought on board was because of his ability to integrate young defensemen into the lineup. So it's tough to integrate them into the lineup from the Manitoba Moose, obviously. So uh, I still do think, and obviously, too, Kevin Chevaldale talked openly about wanting to upgrade the forward group. So right now, the forward group is minus Andrew Kopp and minus Paul Stasty. So even with Cole Perfetti being counted on, being healthy first and foremost, uh, to be able to be a contributor. And yes, Morgan Barron had a nice contribution at the end of the year. I mean, they're still going to need to upgrade that middle six group. So whether that's an Evan Rodriguez out there, I mean, we'll see what happens. But uh, I would still think that there, there's going to be a trade to come, uh, whether that's from the back end or it would make the most sense. But uh, quickly, just to circle back to Danton Hine, I mean, the one thing that I learned and kind of sniffing around at when that had happened, I mean, some folks are just saying, oh, well, the you know, the Jets wanted out there. They're in on these guys. I mean, they didn't come from the Jets. I mean, this is outside sources and uh, the, the player, obviously. I mean, it's easy for a player to say it's not about the money. But, I mean, in Danton Heinen's case, it was not about the money. Here's a guy who had you know his, a career year, basically, last year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And some folks on social media can scoff all they want and say, oh, well, the Penguins aren't a Stanley Cup contender anymore. Well, I'm here to tell you that any team that has Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby will still be a contender. I mean, they were rolling with the third-string goalie in the playoffs last year. And, uh, you know, spicy pork chokes uh, no more. I mean, it's a little bit different rolling with Louis Domingue. I mean, Louis Domingue did his best to keep his team in the series. But, I mean, when they have their number one goaltender, I mean, the Penguins are a tough out. So, I mean, Danton Heinen is going to staying in a place where he's comfortable. He had a great year. He knows exactly how he will be utilized under Mike Sullivan. But this wasn't a situation where he was turning his nose at Winnipeg and, and not considering the opportunity. He strongly considered the opportunity. He felt it could have been a good fit for him. I mean, Winnipeg was one of several teams I mentioned that made a more lucrative offer than Pittsburgh. Uh, but for Heinen, he just is staying in a comfortable situation. He's kind of, we talk about the players banking on themselves on shorter term deals because the cap is probably going up. I mean, it's only going up incrementally by about a million. But, I mean, a lot of the – Dan Heinen had to take a pay cut to stick around, but he did that not because he was scared of what was happening in Winnipeg. It was because he was banking on himself to have another maybe, you know, 16 to 20 goal a year and then maybe be able to cash in on something a little bit more longer term next summer. So, uh, and again, too, I mean, we talked about this with Yar- Cali Yarncroke. I mean, the Jets made a more lucrative offer – from what I can under, what I've been able to un, uncover, but they weren't able to lock them down. So I mean, we're not we're not here to hand out participation medals, but I mean, the reason why these guys are in on these guys is because they're it, they know that that's the type of player they're looking for, guys that are uh, pretty conscientious defensively, but can also contribute some offense. So uh, obviously, Heinen is a little bit more of a, a better skater, and his guys contributed on the penalty kill. But I mean, if the fact that Jets are are kicking the tires on those kind of players and making more lucrative offers, and in Yarncroke's case, a multi-year deal, that tells you that they know they're looking to upgrade that position, and they're not going to just suddenly say, oh, well, we didn't get those two guys, but we're just going to roll with what we have. Yeah, I agree. I think something's going on. We'll have to wait and see what the moves are. It's crazy to me that Nazem Kadri, who's like the top UFA coming in, doesn't have a contract, and these guys who are contributors, uh, there will be signings, and we'll have to wait and see. We'll be here keeping track of them. We did have some Jets prospect news this week. Rutger McCrory didn't make Team USA at the World. Seems like they're only going to have um, Brad Lambert on Finland. Uh, anything to make to make of that? I don't. I don't. Wasn't really concerning. I mean, Kyle Connor didn't make 
make the juniors. It's still pretty, still pretty young. But I just thought it was a note I, I would have to throw out this week. Yeah, Remo, I think the big thing to remember, especially with the timing of the tournament just being a little bit of disruption, right? Because it would normally have been played in, in December and January, right? So for McGordy, this, this is not a knock on him. I mean, it's a 19-year-old tournament primarily, right? And yes, some NHL guys are not going to the camp. I think you're going to see McGordy probably play for Team USA in December when it would normally be his kind of peak year to be there. I think it's just a matter of, I think they're going with a little bit more of a veteran group right now. Uh, from all accounts, I mean, he did have a pretty decent camp from what I've heard. Uh, he will have a half season as a freshman under his belt at the University of Michigan by the time the, you know, the 2023 event rolls around. And I would expect to see him at that tournament. Lambert, we figured, would be there. Obviously, he was one of the most more dominant players uh, before the tournament was uh, shut down last year due to COVID again. And it'll be a great opportunity for him. And, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate for uh, Chaz Lucius, who had, you know, kind of he was in more of that middle six role with, with Team USA at the event in December as well in Alberta. So with, with his injury, he would, wouldn't, wouldn't be ready. I mean, normally the Jets would probably have a couple other guys out, out there. But uh, Torgerson is a guy who kind of graduated and did a nice job there as well. So uh, he's going to be a fun prospect to watch with the Moose. And I wouldn't make too much of the summer tournament, Remo. I mean, it's a great opportunity still for some of these guys, but it's not the same as the December tournament because you have guys that are just starting to ramp up their training now. So, and even though some folks would say, oh, they'd love to see Perfetti. Well, Perfetti's already played. Yeah, I mean, would Cole be effective and be a great player and turn in a leadership role for Canada? Of course he would, but that's not going to disrupt his ability to get ready for training camp and be ready to be a contributor come October, which is what really matters to both Perfetti himself and to the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, they need Perfetti to be a contributor. Would it help him to be playing at a high level? Sure. But what I would also say, you also run the risk, especially coming back from injury, of a future injury. Look at what happened to Kirby Doc. I mean, Kirby Doc is a great example. Here's a guy who was one of the best players for the Chicago Blackhawks in the bubble playoff year in Edmonton. When I was there watching him play against the Edmonton Oilers, I would say that after Jonathan Taves, Kirby Doc was, I would say he was among, you know, I think he, in the series that I watched, he at times played better than Patrick Kane did in that series. Now that's not a knock against Kane. Kane was fine in that series, but Doc was playing at a really high level. And then he got hurt in a pre-tournament game for Team Canada, and he hasn't been the same player since. So um, I know some folks are a little bit up in arms and would love to see Perfetti play, but, I mean, coming back from the nature of the you know, of shoulder injury, what we suspect from what happened after that hit from Jamie Alexiak, I mean, Perfetti needs to get ready for the Jets camp. That's what matters. And for Lucius, I expect him to be a, you know an impact player at the Young Stars event. And then, I mean, we're going to see, is he going to be playing for the, I expect him to play for the Manitoba Moose. Yes, we know the option will be available to send him to the Portland Winter, Winterhawks, who have his WHL rights. But I think he's going to be with the Moose. They're going to want him to, you know, get his pro career started. And there too, I mean, people need to remember, I mean, if things aren't going as smoothly as one would suspect, no one's to say that that's going to happen. But you can always send the player back to junior. I mean, before the January 10th deadline or whatever the date is going to be this year, but I'm expecting Lucius to be at that level. And I'm expecting Brad Lambert on the flip side to be playing for the Saskatoon blades or sorry, uh, Seattle Thunderbirds uh, traded for his right. So I would expect him to be in the Western league to start the year, but it'll be great for him to kind of get a, a springboard for Lambert is important because he didn't have a ton of playing time over in Liga and he didn't have a ton of production. So a tournament like that for him, is important to get the confidence and the puck touches and all those other things that are important to get your pro career started. Whereas Perfetti, 
The last time we saw Perfetti, he was on a you know pretty pretty important line with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. So his transition is a little bit more uh, you know ahead of the game or ahead of the curve when it comes to Lambert, even though Perfetti missed all that time at the end of the year due to the injury. Funny that you mention it, uh, Ken. I completely forgot that you know we have the World Juniors coming up in Edmonton coming up uh, you know later this month, but also the regular World Juniors in Halifax in December. Very compressed schedule here of World Juniors. And you're almost kind of like, why are we doing this thing in August? I know you want to give these guys a chance here, but they're going ahead with it, and we will have some August hockey. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Ivan, or sorry, Gretzky Halinka, as they call it right. now, but that's, that's going on too. Uh, we've kind of covered, covered the Jets here. A quick reaction here. I mean, the Huberto contract, that was the big news yesterday, him getting the 10-year, $84 million deal. How, how did you see this one for the Flames? Yeah, Remo, I mean, obviously what we were talking about when the trade was made, I mean, obviously people were talking about the return that Brad Trelevin got, and one of the caveats was the Jets were going to, or sorry, the Flames were going to need to sign at least one of those two players to an extension in order for it to kind of be more of a win for Brad Trelevin. I mean, to me, it comes down to very, to a very simple platform. I mean, the Flames were kind of underdressed, Remo. Two-thirds of the best line in hockey were gone. One by his own choice, one saying, I'm out of here at the end of next year, so politely, you better do something with me if you don't want to lose me for nothing. So what Brad Trilby was able to do is turn that into some key pieces, for both in terms of present-day capital and future capital. You know, they've got a sort of a contingency plan for Michael Backlund uh, with the prospect, the centerman prospect. They got a first-round draft pick, and now you got two players going to one of them now is only on an expiring contract in Mackenzie Weger, who the Flames are still negotiating with and will probably ramp up those efforts. Uh, but now you've locked down a, you know, a Hart Trophy candidate. I mean, I know, I totally understand, how, Remo. I mean, it's a hot take society that we live in. And, oh, well, the contract's not going to age well. Well, those same people that are saying the contract's not going to age well, and they may be right eventually. But in order to lure or keep one of those players of that quality of Jonathan Huberto, a 100-plus point player, a guy who was in the discussion for the hard trophy. You know, if you want to have him in your market for eight years for the max, you're going to have to pay a premium. And, and Brad Trelevin paid a premium, but he also locked down one of the top wingers in the National Hockey League. So I commend him and applaud him for his ability to do so. I mean, at the end of that deal, I mean... There are going to could be some lean years, sure. That, that's possible, but I mean, the Flames have gone from uh, people have forgotten this because of how poorly the Battle of Alberta went for the for them this year. I mean, they were a dominant regular season team at times. They have one of the best goalies in the NHL in Jacob Markstrom, and Elias Lindholm is still an excellent two way player. And now he's got Huberto locked up beside him for multiple seasons. I mean. The Flames are still a legit contender in the Pacific Division. And yes, we saw the Oilers take an important step. But I think the Flames, they're not just a playoff team. They're still going to probably be one of the best teams in the Pacific Division. And if you look at their defense score, if they continue to play the way that they did, and now you add Uyghur, yes, I mean, okay, so he ended up on the wrong side of the highlight reel in the Tampa series to Kucherov. Well, big deal. That happens to a lot of players. Uh, their defense score is excellent. And now Huberto, for all the people saying, well, where's the offense going to come from? Huberto's an elite-level offensive player and a guy who has something to prove. I mean, he hasn't been able to enjoy any of the sustained playoff success. 
uh, during his career so far. He's still in the, he's sort of in the prime years of his career. I mean, yes, he's approaching 30, but I mean, for all the people saying the last year is an outlier, I mean, I don't think those people are paying attention. Jonathan Huberto has been a high level player for a long time. Yes. Does he benefit from playing with Barkoff at times? Sure. They weren't even on the same line all year last year. And now he's going to have an excellent two-way player in Elias Lindholm, a guy that could score, you know, 40 plus on his line. And the other part about the Flames that people are forgetting too, Andrew Mangiapane signing up for that deal is also a massive win for them at the, the, the dollar level he's going to be at. And, you know, whether you're playing Blake Coleman up top there or if you're playing Mangiapane, that's an excellent line. And so I, I don't see a whole lot of, dip in production i mean if people were up in arms that johnny gaudreau was leaving johnny gaudreau was mostly a one-way player yes he improved his defensive game but i mean we're, we're not talking about a selkie quality defensive player uh will they miss the tenacity that matthew kachuk brought of course they will that quality is uh, is in a short supply around the national hockey league for a guy that can score 40 plus and get you 100 points but jonathan huberto is a guy that can do the job. He's going to be an excellent, he's an excellent fit for the Calgary Flames. And, you know, if their window to win is now, or if it's a five-year window, you'll take, you know, five good years or four out of eight or whatever the number ends up being. I mean, and the other thing about Huberto, he's a fitness fanatic. So that contract may age better than some people think. I mean, yeah, there's some comparisons to the Blake Wheeler deal, Remo, uh, where later on, maybe you're not getting a, an 80-point or 100-point guy. Huberto is still super smart. He's got great vision. He's an exceptional passer, and he's a great finisher. So he's always going to be able to get you those power play points. And because of his skating ability, that contract could probably age better than a lot of people think it might right now. And guess what? When you play in a Canadian market or some Canadian markets or the majority of the Canadian markets, sometimes you got to pay a premium. The Flames have done that, and they've kept themselves in position to contend. So now it's up to them to you know get past the hurdle that they got, you know, sort of ran into the freight trade of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl last year. But hey, they still have, I think they have one of the best, if not the best goalie in the Pacific Division in Jacob Markstrom. With all due respect to, um, you know, Robin Leonard. You know, when Leonard's healthy, he's one of the best as well, for sure. Thatcher Demko at times can be the best. I mean, Jack Campbell's shown at times he can be very good. But I mean, if you're asking me to choose, I'm probably picking Markstrom out of that four. But the big thing for the Flames now, they're going to get up to get more from Dan Vladar out of the backup role, Remo, because Markstrom played a bit too much. He kind of ran out of steam last year when it came to that series and that Battle of Alberta. But uh, Huberto signed me up for saying, hey, I understand a lot of people are lining up to scream and that's a, you know that deal is going to hurt Brad Shalevin down the road. The Flames have to worry about winning right now. And right now, Jonathan Huberto helps the Flames win. And I think he's going to continue to help the Flames win for you know, a, a, the majority of that contract. So that's where I stand on that. I, I am with you, Ken. He's got a point-per-game player last four seasons, second uh, to the Art Ross last year, 115 and 80. They are built to win now. They got the goaltending. They were ready to give that money to Johnny Goudreau. Why not give it to Jonathan Huberto? Uh, moving on from the NHL, Ken. I know you didn't see a whole lot of the Bombers game, but gotta gotta talk about it. It's been you know we haven't talked about the Bombers here for for a bit, so I mean, man, nine and zero, just put put them on the Grey Cup already, right? <laughs> well, per I, I perfect think the, season. It's coming. Well, hey, man, it's very. It's uh, you know some folks may not like it, but there are some Patriot esque qualities happening right now. Oh, uh, 
for the blue and for the blue and gold uh, when you're talking about perfect seasons. But I think Mike O'Shea would be the first to tell you that he doesn't want it to end the way that the Patriots uh, almost perfect season ended. Uh, you have to applaud the way the def- defense has been playing, right? I mean, especially to, I mean, that stretch, I mean, people don't want to hear about schedule, just like they don't want to hear about in the in the NHL. Uh, but the stretch the Bombers just went through with the three consecutive road games in, in a short, couple of short weeks, I mean, it's impressive what they were able to do. And then look at who was out of the lineup for that stretch of time with Ellingson and Jeff Coat missing some time there. I mean, they've had that next man up mentality for a long time. And yes, people get sick of hearing it, but that doesn't happen by accident. That This is a culture thing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's a credit to Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea and their staff, but the players they've been able to find the depth at the important positions. And they've done just an exceptional job of finding talent. And, you know, they don't make any excuses, right? I mean, it's easy. It's an easy thing to say when you're winning, but Remo, that doesn't happen by accident. You have to breed that culture. And that's what the Bombers have done. I mean, we're barely, we haven't talked much this year about the Bombers not having Andrew Harris. It's still a loss for them. Yes, I mean, they're not having the huge games on the ground, but I mean, Brady Oliveira had a you know, solid finish to the week last week. And even in a week where, you know, Zach Caleros has three picks, they still get the job done handily. They're going to play Montreal again next week. And then, hey, who's not looking forward to August 25th after the bye week? That other game against the Calgary Stampeders. I mean, the way the Bombers were able to handle the Stampeders coming out of a bye week, then they're going to be coming out of their own bye week uh, after playing Montreal again this week on the 11th. So, I mean, I continue to be impressed. And uh, it's not just a, a one-player show. They have so many good leaders on both sides of the football uh, and even it, it, it sounds crazy to say, but there have not been a ton of, of weeks where the Bombers have had been clicking on all cylinders on all three phases of the game. And I mean, that's the one thing, too. I mentioned the Patriots. It was not by accident. I mean, this is a team that is, you know, you're not going to get perfection off. But the striving of for perfection is what has made the Bombers as successful as they've been during the stretch. They have players that push one another and they're getting contributions across the board on both sides of the ball, plus special teams. And that's another thing too. I mean, Remo, what were we talking about last year? The Bombers had to go out and get Sergio Castillo at the end of the year. Their kicking game is a little bit more in order this year, obviously. Special teams has been important for them. And I would say that the offense is starting to kind of get into a little bit more of a groove. I mean, it wasn't always smooth sailing yesterday, but they still were able to put up, what, 35 points? I mean, yeah, people can say whatever they want. I mean, Montreal's not having a good year. That's true. But, you know, they put up offense against Calgary, uh, and their defense, you know, the bend but don't break is a real deal. I mean, these are these guys have been exceptional this year, and I think that this Bomber team, all they're trying to do is peak in November. But they're also not just coasting through – the regular season on cruise control. They've had some dominant showings. They've had some games where, yes, they may have benefited. I mean, they obviously there was an element of good fortune for them uh, when Boris Beatty or missed the kick against Toronto. But they good teams find a way to win is what I'm trying to say. And the Bombers are a very good team, and they're probably an exceptional team by the time they get things clicking on all cylinders. So to me, I'm impressed by the, the way they've gone out to 9-0 and record. I mean, is there going to be a loss at some point? And you know, no coach wants, you know, people can say all they want. Oh, well, this team could use a loss to get them refocused. The Bombers, as cliche as it sounds, it's 18 gate weeks of trying to go 1-0. and that's how, they, that's how it works in the building there. That's how their preparation goes. 
and that starts from the top down. But every week, the Bombers have found a way to be ready and be up for their opponent. They haven't had any of these built-in excuse sleeper games where they say, oh, well, we had three games in 11 days, uh, too bad for us. No, they just go out and figure out to find a way to win, and they've found a way to win every week, and, and they know they still have a little bit more to give, and I think that's a scary thing. Uh, if you're a member of the BC Lions or the Calgary Stampeders, you're thinking you had all the benefits and you still haven't found a way to knock these guys off. And people can say what they want. Like this isn't the New York Giants situation where you know you have pushed the opponent like they did to the New England Patriots the year that they did knock them off in the Super Bowl. Um, but at the same time, I don't think there's one member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers saying, hey, book the tickets to Regina. Uh, we've got this in the bag. I mean, that's also part of the reason they've been able to have success is because they don't get overconfident. They have a supreme level of confidence, but they don't get complacent. And that is why they've been able to continue to sort of use that steamroller and continue to be a freight train uh, in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, the Bombers are always trying to get better. They're never satisfied. You love that mindset from them and Coach Mike O'Shea. You are in Minneapolis for the Blue Jays game we haven't even touched on the trade deadline what's going on the blue jays do enough ken and how about this Whit merrifield acquisition it seems like the drama is over he will be able to play the home games and he was making an impact at st paul last or downtown minneapolis last night yeah indeed uh, a couple hits uh, i love the fact that merrifield in his interview with hazel may was talking about being disappointed to have struck out too much for a guy who's a contact hitter and it's certainly an interesting uh, acquisition on a number of levels. Obviously, he talked about it before the game. He has been vaccinated. Uh, he will be with the Jays when they get back home. Uh, so that, uh, obviously, too. People who, people who, if you thought Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro were going to acquire somebody on a roll of the dice, you have not been paying attention to the acquisitions the Toronto Blue Jays have made uh, over the last several seasons. Uh, could they have done more? Sure. I mean, of course, that's true. I mean, they didn't get that marquee starter. They didn't get a, that, you know, guy that's coming out of the pen throwing 101. Uh, like, you know, sometimes they've run into some teams like the Tampa Bay Rays who have these guys who seem to to pull out anonymous players out of the bullpen who are, you know, throwing 100 miles an hour every time. But they added some important arms. Uh, some will be used in high leverage. Uh, the one thing for the Jays, too, that is interesting to monitor here, Remo, uh, they were waiting on Nate Pearson, basically. Like Nate, if Nate Pearson can somehow get healthy in the next two months here before October, there you have your 98 mile an hour fastball with absolute filth coming out of the bullpen. But until that point comes, you're going to need some guys to provide a little bit of help to Jordan Romano and, and Yimmy Garcia. It seems as though they were able to get that accomplished. Um, in terms of Merrifield, I, I love the acquisition. I mean. I would say there was an element of surprise, but based on what's happened with, with George Springer and that elbow issue that he's been dealing with, whether it's just throwing or swinging, I mean, it, it, for the last two I mean, I love the way George Springer plays the game. I've been a fan of his for a very long time. I love the way he plays center field. He's a great leader. Um, we talk about uh, clubhouse culture. This guy is a winner. Uh, he carries himself with this incredibly positive demeanor. But man, between the leg injuries and now the elbow, I mean, he basically has been grimacing in pain for, for a good chunk of his tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays. So in Merrifield, you have a guy that not only is he a great contact hitter, he has great speed, he runs the bases exceptionally well. He can give you some cover in center field, which is such a demanding position. So to me, that's an incredibly smart addition. And I mean, the Jays have enough big boppers. They got enough guys that can hit long balls. They need a guy that can kind of turn the order over. I mean, 
he could hit at the top of the order if you needed him to as well. But, I mean, to flip the order over, I mean, would it have been better for the Jays if Whit Merrifield, if they would have found the left-handed version of Whit Merrifield to give him a little bit more balance in the lineup? Of course. But that player wasn't available. If he was available, it was going to cost you, I mean, a really high-end prospect. I mean, if we're looking at the Jays, I mean, Jordan Groshans is the is the most important prospect they've they've lost in the deals, right? And they've got coverage there as well um, between Hernandez and uh, and also you know with what they've got coming up in the system and with Matt Chapman obviously sort of locked down at third base. I mean they didn't really need uh, Groshans to come up and be a big contributor, right? I mean I, he may be a very good player still, but the opportunity for a team that's in win now mode, like we just talked about with Calgary. I mean the Toronto Blue Jays window is to win now. Because in a couple of years, unless there's a deal of, of serious magnitude, and we expect there to be one for sure with one of the two players, whether that's Vladimir Guerrero or Bo Bichette, but once those guys are getting close to unrestricted free agency, now we're going to be talking about the Blue Jays the same way we talked about the Jets a few years ago, and we're talking about the Flames now. I mean, the window of contention is now. So you're, you're acquiring players that, that give you a little bit more uh, of an opportunity to go a little bit deeper in a, in a, in a division in a league that is incredibly difficult. I mean, obviously the Padres are getting a lot of props and rightfully so. I mean, if you're a Blue Jays fan, would you have liked to have got Josh Hader at the back end of the bullpen? Can you imagine a, a back end that includes a left-handed guy throwing 98 to hundred and then Jordan Romano doing the exact same thing from the right side. And depending on the matchup, now the, uh, now the analytics folks are going crazy because you have two closers, essentially. You can go situationally all day long with those two guys at the back end. Of course, but the cost of acquisition is so high. And, I mean, we heard the Jays were among the teams in on Juan Soto. I mean, would you have loved to have seen Juan Soto in a Blue Jays uniform, especially if you think you can lock him down on a 10-year deal, even though he's turned down 400 mil? I mean, the prospect of Guerrero and Juan Soto, incredible but it would have cost you Bichette and then a boatload of prospects. So um, I can understand the way they went. I mean, it, for me, the big one is Syndergaard. I don't know what the cost for Syndergaard would have been for the Jays in terms of their prospect pool. But again, here's a guy who's a, you know, a, a front-end starter when healthy would have certainly helped them, especially when you have the question marks around uh, Kikuchi and with Stripling going on the DL, but or IL, sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Mitchell White here tomorrow, uh, and he's got a you know good ar- good live arm. He's more of a swing guy, but if he can give them a little bit of stability, that'll help the Jays. But uh, certainly an interesting time for a lot of teams. I mean, like I said, look at what the Dodgers have been doing in the NL, and look at what the Braves have done. So if you're the Padres, I love the fact that they went out and spent, and now you know the, the, to see when Tatis is back and when you have Machado and then you have Soto, I mean, wow. That's an impressive super team. But what I would also remind people of, the thing about the Padres that you have to be careful about, Remo, they spend a ton of money, and then like two years later, when it doesn't work out, there's a fire sale right around the corner. So is this the year that they finally turn it around and get it going? Well, if you're if you're a Padres fan, you hope it sure is. If not, some of those guys are going to be gone again. But again, they're going to take their chances, and because of what they're up against in the NL, I applaud AJ Preller for what he's been able to do in terms of those acquisitions. Do you, if you're a Blue Jays fan, do you wish that that their group had done a touch more? Sure. I would also say I wouldn't say that this isn't the season that they were pushing all their chips in, but what I would say is that I think around this time next year, 
Uh, you're going to see the Jays be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to their acquisitions, but they always have to have that kind of one eye on the future as well. But their chance to win is now. They acquired some players that will help them do that, but they're also up against, I mean, we saw what it was like when they went up against Tampa last year. They, they couldn't hit. They couldn't hit Velo last year in the playoffs, or certainly not enough to win a round. Uh, can you beat the Yankees? I mean, the Yankees, they're mashing it. But can the Yankees pitching hold up in the playoffs? Now, that's a huge question, right? So if you're the Jays and you're going into a series with Manoa, Gosman, and Barrios, I mean, in a, in a, in a short series, you're taking your chances. I mean, the, the AL East is probably, a, you know, you can, you, can, you can mark that, change that from pencil to pen. But the Yankees have been kind of an average team in the last month or six weeks time but I mean they also got themselves better at the deadline but for them it's about if their pitching can hold up and for the Jays it's can they hit elite pitching when it matters most so a good contact guy like Merrifield will help them in that regard but they've got some guys that need to do the job I mean Teoscar Hernandez uh, Lourdes Goriel those guys have had exceptional stretches after really slow starts but they haven't really they're like the Bombers they haven't really had a full go with Vladdy Vladdy's had a good year but not an MVP level year like he had last year. So, I mean, I'm very curious to see how the Jays do down the stretch here. Uh, super excited to watch them live. And I think they're a legit contender, but much like everybody else around baseball, they've got some question marks around their team as well. And thank you so much for hopping on. I have to ask before you go, what are you hitting this afternoon? Chain of Lakes or the outlet mall in Egan, Minnesota? <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> Yeah, no, it won't be a lot of shopping happening for me. I'm uh, I'm just ready where, you know, the step counter has been uh, off to a good start. I've already got over 10,000 steps here, uh, even though without we had no, no golf games to help uh, expand those horizons. But uh, probably just haven't really, I was here in November for a Jets trip, didn't really get to tour around the city much, but uh, I'll probably buzz around a little bit, uh, get to the park early. As you said, maybe sample a few concessions, know quite a few people who are going to be around the ballpark. So uh, we'll be uh, probably be rocking a wake up t-shirt, try to see a few Manitobans. And, oh yeah, uh, you got the t-shirt, wake up. Uh, I'm sorry, I should have pulled it out here, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll get it going at the ballpark. We've got to do a little uh, cross promotion and I will have to say a remo, I didn't get a, a picture of it, but I, I did have the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie, got some good use out at nice. Bird River here this week, uh, not on the golf course, but out on, on, the, on one of the boat rides. So I uh, was very appreciative to have the, you know, the August, August is when the nights get a little cooler. So it was, it was good to have the uh, hoodie. Uh, always happy to represent the brand and uh, always great to talk to you. Great job holding down the fort. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to tell us that, uh, you know, kept all the fires to a minimum. Uh, and now too, I mean, a successful marble race for you, Remo. And then you can, you can punch the clock out like Fred Flintstone and head out and have a yabba dabba do good time on the weekend. There you go. Yeah. Yabba dabba do. <laughs> you said, you said it, Ken. Thank you so much for hopping on. Enjoy uh, the streets of, uh, what is it? Uh, what's that mall? Nicolette Mall, right? There you go. There you go. Pre- staying pretty close to the Nicolette Mall. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while for me, but I, I spent some time down there too. Thanks again, Ken. Appreciate it. Take care, my man. Good to be with you. Cheers. Uh, cheers. Thanks. Big thanks to Ken Weeb. Going to the buffet is down in uh, Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis. He'll be at the Blue Jays Twins game tonight. We got... We may have hacks on, may not. I, I think I told him the wrong. I got my time zone messed up. Uh, so I'm not sure if that's going to happen today. So, uh, But here, Hustlers, 
about a quick message, and then I'll be right back. Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Not Auto Corp. Since day one on with WST, Not Auto Corp has been putting Winnipeggers and Manitobans into great vehicles at incredible prices. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price? With the help of the Not team, pop down and see them in person and check everything on the lot at the showroom at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at not.ca. Another beautiful summer weekend coming up, and nothing makes a weekend a little better than the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Whether you're popping by your local beer store or hitting them up at the brewery and taproom on William Avenue, there's so many delicious brews from Little Brown Jug to make that weekend a little more refreshing. Try the 1919 or check out all the great brews in the summer variety pack. You can order online as well at littlebrownjug.ca for citywide delivery or pop down to William Avenue or your beer favorite beer store or liquor marts and pick up the great taste of Little Brown Jug this weekend. Of course, lots of great sports coming up this weekend and no better place to watch it and gather with friends than your local Boston pizza. Whether you're kicking it on the patio, in the dining room or in the sports bar, Boston pizza featuring a great new summer menu, including carnitas, tacos, pizzas, and of course, pizza flights are back. A great summer drink menu. And if you are staying home, you can always check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And a summer weekend just isn't complete without a trip to our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ for those great DQ ice cream treats, not to mention those amazing new stack burgers. If you haven't had a blizzard lately, pop by Nick and Nikki DQ for all the great summer new flavors. And of course, you can do that at the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Pola Park, or DQ St. Anne's. And if you've got the need for a DQ ice cream cake, Nick and Nikki can customize it for you and have it ready to pick up. Call them at any of the locations, or even better yet, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba to order online, customize, and have it ready for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. There he is. Thank you, Hustler. So great at doing those reads. Thank you to all of our sponsors. I see Jay Miller saying, what is a pizza flight? Oh, a pizza flight is like a beer flight where you have, what, the little beer cups, get to sample each kind, you get to sample a bunch, in, a bunch of uh, different kinds of pizzas. Shout out to Mesa Stormy, who's trying to get everyone to hit the like button. Yes, please hit the thumbs up down below. And if you're on mobile, just close the chat, hit it. Tells YouTube that this is uh, good content. Helps our channel grow. We're closing in on 8K subscribers on YouTube. Um, so help us get there. Come on. Uh, I know it's August. Hockey news is slow. We did have that great bomber game. I did want to get to some other clips of Mike O'Shea as we wind down the program. Uh, I did play. I think I played that one of Brady Oliveira. No, how about how about this one? Jeff Hamilton asking Mike O'Shea about going 1-0. We hear all the time how the Bombers take a one game at a time. They don't get too high, don't get too low. But here is uh, Mike O'Shea being asked about going 9-0. 9-0 is, is impressive, Mike, and I know you, you go one week from one week. But just given that the first nines involve six road games, and you know, and I know it's uh, not an excuse. Honestly, it doesn't even register like that. Not to me, not to our coaching staff, not to our players. You know, it's, it's just these are games on the schedule that you got to play wherever you got to play them. I don't know that being on the road is the 
an issue. I think it's a great time for players to get together and hang out compared to the previous year where you weren't allowed to leave the hotel. This is this is special. This is a great time for the for the players. Mike O'Shea saying it's special. They don't care about when the games are. They're here to play them. And I said to Ed yesterday, I'm like, hey, do they ever talk about going perfect season hasn't been done since the 40s? Um, and he's like, Mike O'Shea would give you the stink eye if, uh, if that happened. And uh, I did enjoy Brady Oliveira again. I don't think I played this one. Did I about the, uh, about the tough schedule before Ken hopped on? Well, here, let's, let's give her on this one. Uh, another one from Brady Oliveira. You said it. I mean, the stretch that we got right now, it's, I mean, no doubt it, it's tough and, it, and it's a hard one, but it, it's a grind. And, you know, everyone in this locker room loves the grind and we embrace the grind and we love the process and it's, uh, it's getting us better. I think you see every single week we're building and building and building and we're getting better, even though we have this long stretch, but it's a grind and we love the grind. Osh O'Shea preaches it to us and uh, we're just falling in love with it. I did play that one, but I still love that clip. Loves the grind embraces the grind uh i think that's that's pretty awesome uh we are winding down we're gonna get to the marble race eventually uh stay down stay tuned for the queue to get in but i uh, i will get to the cool bet lines here before we go let me see. i'll bring these up right away uh hey if you listened to my picks yesterday i had dembski over 50 he got like one one yard it wasn't great so uh, i was a big l but i did get a w i said brady Oliveira over 52 yards and he smashed that so you know i was about even on on my bets there we've got a couple games this week calgary minus four and a half dickinson the coach he's in protocol not gonna be there uh, i wonder how that's gonna affect it hasn't affected the line still four and a half against ottawa who's uh, not very good we got Toronto, two-point favorites at home against Hamilton. See how that one goes. I think I'd lean Toronto there. Although, what, Brandon Banks got benched? Uh, surprised about that. And BC Lions, massive favorites. They beat down on Edmonton earlier this year. Uh, so, yeah, minus 10. I think I would go BC. And, yeah, Patrolman Pizzas, how about that five-and-a-half point spread for the Bombers yesterday? I think just bet the Bombers. Uh, that's the play. I will say my prop that I like tonight, I like going on the props. Receiving yards, uh, Malik Henry, 55 and a half yards. He's hit about 55 last game, 53, but that's against the Bombers, and they're good offense. He's had some big games this year, over 100 yards. You know we can maybe do that on one catch. I like Malik Henry against the Forest, Ottawa Red Black, uh, Pasty, over 55 and a half yards and uh mad about the horns and here we got one more message here from Huss and then I will open I will open the marble race line. Uh here we go. This is Hustler with one final message. Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Canadian Club Whiskey. Canadian Club always synonymous with the best whiskey and now synonymous with the drink of the summer. The pre-mixed, ready-to-drink Canadian Club and Ginger Ale, now available in six packs at your favorite beer store or Manitoba Liquor Marts. And, of course, you can have the great taste of CC and Ginger at IG Field as well, whether for the Valor game this weekend or the Bomber game next week. 
because Canadian Club is the official spirit and sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Canadian Club products found throughout IG Field. If you haven't tried the CC and Ginger, do it this weekend or the next time you head over to IG Field. Also, big thanks to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Live racing returns Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday with a post time of 7.30 p.m. Make a reservation in the dining room to try the incredible prime rib buffet at Assiniboia Downs or order off the menu and make a point of coming down and taking in all the great action. But if you're not able to go, do it like Remus and myself. You can open an account to hpibet.com and bet on the races and, of course, watch all the live action from Assiniboia Downs every night of live racing on the AS Downs YouTube channel at Assiniboia Downs, 885-3330 if you want to make an arrangement to get into the dining room for upcoming live racing days. And, of course, huge thanks to our friends at CoolBet for their sponsorship of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remus will have the CoolBet lines today. But you can always use the promo code WST if you haven't played a cool bet before for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. Big thanks to Cool Bet, Canada's most transparent sports book. Stay cool. There it is. There's Hustler. Let's go, everyone. That horn means it's time. Oh, God. It's so horrible. I made a 10 second clip. It's way too long. It's excruciating. I can't do that anymore. But yes, exclamation mark marbles. We will do the marble race. And no, I will not use I will not use last week names, okay guys. Maybe it's possible I screwed up again, but uh I don't think that's gonna happen. I've learned my lesson. Put all the names in, exclamation mark marbles, and yes, if you are in here, hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe button. Uh we're at, uh, what, we're closing in on 8K. Come on. And also, uh, check us out on the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Sports Talk WPG. Um, we need all the, all the help we can get to grow on there. Does Hustler get a marble? Great question. Mesa Stormy. And winding down the weekend, I don't know, this is where I talk about my plans. Got a wedding on Sunday. Weddings are back. That's going to be fun. Nice summer wedding. Got my F apparel suit. All ready to go. I don't know. There's a movie in the park. I might hit that. The zoo, always on the table. And, or I could get out of town and go, go to the beach. It's certainly possible. And, yes, I'm very pumped, Kevin Koala, to do the play-by-play -play, uh, of, the, of the race. And I did mention earlier we had some Jets news. I got to bring it up. I'm really into what's the... Uh, oh, Bitcoin bot doesn't doesn't go away. The Jets news, the biggest Jets news, off season of love for the team. I want to give a shout out for them as uh, Nate Schmidt, Nate Schmidt and his wife Allie getting married. What a beautiful bouquet! Having gone through wedding planning, I can now acknowledge what a great bouquet and wedding pictures. I, I'm pretty good. You notice those little details like centerpieces. You don't notice those. Um, before you've planned a wedding. Uh, so we got that, and we have, let's see, another one, a gorgeous Neil Pionk with Kira and their two dogs. They don't have the dog names on here. Come on, Jets social media team. We all want to know. We love dogs here. Where's that, a golden retriever down below? I'm not much of a dog aficionado. No offense. 
to dog lovers, but I'm not a dog owner. But there you go. Great, great pick here. And the last one, Mason Appleton, who still got an arbitration date, August 11. What's he going to get? If you want to put your guesses in, like 1.4 mil. Looks like a beautiful wedding on the lake. Mason Appleton going with the cream suit. Not like the blue that everyone seems to be everyone seems to be doing. So a nice bouquet, beautiful lake wedding. And they did also have the I mean, this is all the Jets news we got now. Um, what are these guys up to this summer? And here we are, Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's been overseas, I believe, in Europe. Getting some sun on the lake. Here we go. And sorry, podcast listeners, a nice picture of a ripped Nikolai Ehlers at the beach. Going to have to tune in here to the end to see this one, podcasters. And hey, one second. I'll go to the last one. Uh, Kyle Connor as well at the beach. The beach seems like the place to be if you're an NHL player uh, in the offseason. And I do need to mention if you are, hey, if you're making it this far, or you watch the replay, leave a comment down below after. Who is the MVP of the Bomber game? What do you think of the Jets offseason? We need those comments in here. Right? Or just give us a big you know, emoji. Write an emoji. It definitely helps us feed the almighty YouTube algorithm uh, to show our content to people. Uh, what, what do we got here? How many people in this marble race? 129 entries. And I don't have to do any updates, thankfully. Um, as far as TV shows, I want to give some recommendations for TV. I had these, you know, Hustler, not really a TV guy. I don't think he's on any of the multiple, multiple uh, streaming services out there. Um, now, you know, if there's a show like the, uh, what, the Unrivaled E60, he can, he'll watch that, but... But here we go. The uh, show recommendations tonight coming out on Crave TV, The Rehearsal with Nathan Fielder. If you haven't watched his first show, uh, haven't watched his first show, Nathan for you, that is also on Crave. Absolutely incredible comedic show. Kind of reality, uh, but very, you know, kind of like uh, hidden, I don't want hidden cameras, I don't think it's the right term, but pretty, pretty good. I'll recommend that. And also on Paramount Plus, there's way too many streaming services out there. I said Woodstock 99 yesterday, Mike Smith. That's on Netflix. I'll be watching that. But also Paramount Plus, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Um, I watched it while folding laundry. I couldn't. I thought it was hilarious. Beavis and Butthead in 2022. Plenty of, uh, what, dick and fart jokes. So if that is your thing, I'm going to recommend that. And let's close. Let me close. The marble race entries. And I, I'm, we were supposed to have Hacksaw, but I screwed up. I told him 2.30 Pacific time when I really meant 2.30 Central time. So, blah. That was, that was a big... I'm giving myself a big F on that. I did just email him. I said, hey, Lee, I screwed up. And he messaged me. He said 2.30 and... Uh, that's my mistake. I don't do that too often, but I was, I'll just say I was feeling the pressure today as host. I had a lot on my plate doing just about everything. I am a one man show here. So, um, I'm sorry, Lee. I think I was just 
was freaking out. Okay, I was pretty nervous. Now did you? Manny Fran says, "Oh, we got some show recommendations in chat." Um, waiters, that's the can. That's the the HBO Woodstock doc. There's a new one on Netflix. That I mentioned yesterday. It's the Netflix one. Just came out yesterday. Manny Fran says, "Not a Jeter fan, but the Captain is a good watch." I'm also not a Jeter fan. Uh, what other, what other do we got here? Um, Prey. People are saying that I saw that just came out. Uh, time zones, yeah, damn, damn time zones, damn time zones. I screwed up that one. And who else are we saying? Other people, I like getting uh, people's show recommendations. Gotham is a hoot of a show, says Frost. Titans on Netflix says Stormy. Everyone says I did great. Well done. Hasset makes it look easier than it actually. He does a good job. Anyways, so I got 139 names in the hopper here for the marble uh, who else do we want to give a marble to before we kick it off first place gets a what do they get? oh yeah the hoodie it's like the green it has what it says like the green jacket of Winnipeg sports stock the hoodie says canadian club on the arm not like those other hoodies you can buy in our store on our website winnipegsportstalk.com like store oh reservation dogs i've heard that's good um on WinnipegSportsTalk.com, we have our own merch, but it doesn't have doesn't have the Canadian Club logo uh, on the side. Top Gun, I haven't seen it. So we got 139 names in the hopper. Who else am I putting in here? Who else am I? I got to put a couple more. Are we putting in our guest today? Ken, long-winded Ken. Yes, thank you, Ken. Ken gets in. Marat will get in. Darren will get in. I'll give one to Huss, Master Angler. I'll put in Master Angler. And also, Hacksaw. Uh, we don't have a DQ cake for today. We will just have Bravo Bri. I think you're a bit too late. Kurt Angle. Someone says Kurt Angle gets a marble. No, I don't think I'll give one to Kurt Angle. But I'm going to save spreadsheet here. 144 names. What's the date today? August 5th. Give a marble to the horn. Who's the horn? Oh, the horn? Yeah. Oh, it's so hard to do the show over this oh my god i gotta turn I, I had this great idea like yeah i'll do this 10 seconds of a marble horn and that'll be i mean of the of the horn it'll be such a great idea everyone will want to hear that oh i'm gonna load up this week's names load up we got 144 last week we had 147 very close but before we do that well it is time for everyone's favorite theme song from Tristan Rivers Music, and I'm going to turn it down so it doesn't blow off your speakers. Here it is. Pull the chat up. I'll pull up the race. I was going to pick, uh, which one? Cosmic Chaos? I'm always nervous it's going to be one. You know, I'm going with the dojo. A dojo's tried and true. I'm very nervous about oh, this Bitcoin. I'm very nervous 
about teleporting. I don't like, I think we all don't like the teleporting ones. You want to be a close finish. You don't want to have someone taking a shortcut to the end. And here we go. I'm bringing it up. Are you guys ready? And we are in the dojo. And they're off. This is today's list confirmed. They're starting off in the dojo. Reminds me of the movie Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. And they're going. Uh, we're going to see who comes out first. Going slowly through the house. And John Sekulik, who said I was doing a good job earlier. He is first going down the slide. Sambo is there. I wonder if he's related to Mark A. Sambo A. Darren. I believe that's Darren bombing. And it's going to be Sambo and John. They're going down to this little jump here. And it's John. And Sambo gets more air. But there's Darren bombing. Darren is in there. John, Sambo, Darren, Lori loving life. What's up, Lori? Good way to live. All in there. I mean, going through the pegs. It is John leading Lori. And there's Jeff in there. Darren's still in, but John gets knocked up on some pegs. And here we are. We got a loop-de-loop -loop coming. How are they going? Shooting through. Jeff. Oh, John. See ya. Over the top rope. Plus low end. Eagle eyes. Everyone's going over the top rope on that loop-de-loop. -loop. Only a couple survive, and it's Jeff Doiron. And Rob Mahoney, look at that loop-de-loop. -loop. It is absolute madness. Oh, they're all going over the top. I can't even keep track. But if you survive this, well, you can survive just about anything. This is madness. And who's going to come out a hero to this little circle? It's pretty in Pionk and Hugh Wachenko. Sambo's still in there. Jeff Doiron is in there as well. Derek. But it's pretty in Pionk. Well, wouldn't that be nice? After the day I show Neil Pionk's wedding photo, pretty in Pionk is in first. I think he's going to have a bounce back here. He battled injuries, but it's Rob Mahoney who's always very complimentary of me in chat. And But no, Hockey Guy Jeff pulls ahead. This is madness here. We are going down to the wire. It is Hockey Guy Jeff with a short lead over Bozeman. Rob Mahoney, Hockey Guy Jeff. He's in the clear. Going in, it could be. And yes, Hockey Guy Jeff is the winner of the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race hoodie. And second place is Bozeman. Waiters, Hugh and Mike Wynn. But uh, wow, wow, I don't know where hockey guy Jeff pulling ahead of everyone after just about, what, half the field got bumped in that loop-de-loop -loop and they're all coming down. I see free Oleg, uh, Phyllis, Renee, Les, Mark A, and there's a couple guys. There's Dino A, uh, Janelle, John D. What a game. This was a, this was a crazy race, a very exciting finish. And well, who do we got here? Hockey guy Jeff one, Bozeman two, Waiters three, Huachenko four, Mike Wynn five, Eric Rewald six, Val George, Rob Mahoney, Larry Eli, Pretty and Pionk, and Dino A. And we got a couple people coming up the rear. We don't quite have the flames yet, but will they blow them up? Daga, Saramega, Daryl Morowski. Uh, was incredible. How what was the finish rate on this? Let's pull up some analytics real quick. We had 144, and hockey guy Jeff winning by what just done over five seconds. That's some quick math right there. And I know Bozeman, he's there. Ken Weeb finished 21st. I saw Darren in there. Let's go. Who else do we have in there? D trained wow so we had okay we had 144 marbles and only 41 finished that was incredible Ooh. 
Uh, Jeff Bowes, Leslie, look at all these guys who didn't finish. Remo's Twitter, I didn't make it. Marat didn't make it as well. Jeff Kabilisi, Spinorama Hockey, all over the top rope. Uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, wow. Well. What a, what a day, what a day. Yeah, thank you. Kenny's Water Bottle says he nominates me for play-by-play. TSN. Who is that? Is another question this summer. Who is going to replace Dennis Bayak? We'll have to wait and see. Anyways, we've hit 304. I have to put the podcast up. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. If you haven't yet, please red subscribe button, hit the thumbs up, or leave a comment after if you think I did a good job. I saw, I see them all. I do respond to them. So uh, if you want, any of you are listening to the podcast, you want to reach out on a particular show, come to our channel. And say hi, but thank you everyone who commented and said they enjoyed the show so far and thought they did a good job. But Hustler will be back. We'll hear all about his trip to Aikens Lake. I hope everyone has a good weekend. We got some good CFL games tonight too. We did talk about some TV shows. So again, thank you so much everyone uh, for hanging out here. Uh, appreciate you all and uh, thanks again and see ya. Oh my God! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.